Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Check out the screens. Uh, we have car keys. Wallet. Mobile phone. Wedding ring. Train ticket with the inspector standing over you. Which one of these do you lose most often? Which one of these do you lose all the time? Have a chat with the person sitting next to you. Come on, come up with an answer. Man. Male. Okay. So, um, so guys, for me, it, it, it ain't car keys. Uh, for me, it, it ain't a wallet. For me, it's not a mobile phone. For me, it's not a wedding ring. For me, it's not even a train ticket. For me, it's um, children. <laughs> the thing that I lose most often in life is children. I hope there's no safeguarding people here today. So um, one year, it was Benjamin. Um, Benjamin on top of a mountain. A couple of years later, it was, again, Benjamin. <laughs> again, on top of a mountain. But the best was Naomi. Okay, she was, um, she was three. Okay, and we were living in Dubrovnik, this place in, in Croatia. Uh, and we were in church when three-year-old Naomi decides to walk home. Walk home alone. Walk home alone without telling anyone where she was going. Walk home alone barefoot without telling anyone where she was going. Personally, I blame her mother. <laughs> there then followed 20 minutes of manic panic searching. Everyone searching everywhere. The whole church searching Everywhere, in the cafes, in the bars, down by the port, down up the main street. Manic, panic, searching until I found her. Being looked after by the not very friendly Dubrovnik police. Manic, panic, searching. Anyone else ever lost a child? Any parent here who's never lost a child? Well done. <laughs> Chris, would you have any idea? <laughs> Over the next few minutes, we're going to be checking out a story in the Bible about a fella on some kind of manic panic search. A story about a fella on a manic panic search trying to go find some kind of meaning in his life. A story about a manic panicked fella owning the desperately weird name of Zacchaeus. Say that with me, Zacchaeus. Okay, you wouldn't name your kid that, would you? Can I tell you his story? Because I reckon his story actually has a whole bunch that actually speaks to our story. So, here we go. The hero of today's story is a fella called Jesus. Now, Jesus was big news in Israel. Wherever he went, miracles happened. And so he healed people, healing blind and healing deaf and healing those unable to walk and healing those unable to talk and even bringing dead people back to life. Jesus was big news in Israel. He was famous for his teaching. He was well known for his preaching. And for the thousands of people who followed wherever he went, Jesus was big news in Israel. So one day, Jesus moseys on down to this city called Jericho, way out there in the east of Israel. Now, Jericho was a small but important city. And the locals were getting all kind of excited because Jesus was coming to town. The talk was all about Jesus, that Jesus was perhaps the son of the living God who had been sent by God from heaven to go and zap the Roman Empire, which had gone and invaded their land. So the people of Jericho, they were getting well excited. 
Now, amongst the population of Jericho was that man with the desperately sad and weird name Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was an important fella. Zacchaeus was a rich fella. But Zacchaeus was a desperately, desperately, desperately hated fella. Zacchaeus was hated because he was a tax collector. And back in the day, a tax collector's job was considered to be the lowest of the low, worse than selling Manchester City football scarves. In fact, worse than that, the scum of the... Uh, I like you. Uh, just checking, there are actually no tax collectors here today. Good, okay. Why were tax collectors hated? Because Zacchaeus worked for the Roman Empire. Zacchaeus worked for the enemy, and half of all the stuff that he took actually ended up in his back pockets. And so the people of Jericho, they hated Zacchaeus. The Romans, however, thought he was some kind of diamond geezer. And they made him boss of the Jericho tax operation. However, Zacchaeus, he wasn't a happy kind of chappy. Uh, something wasn't wrong in his life. Something was very wrong in his life. Something was missing. All the money and all the world could not bring him the happiness, could not bring him the contentment, could not bring him the fulfillment that he so desperately craved, that he was so desperately looking for. He was on a manic, panic search. Manically, panically searching for the answer to his deepest and greatest needs. However, this Zacchaeus, he'd heard about Jesus. Maybe this Jesus could actually be the answer that he was looking for. Was he really the son of the living God? He had to find out. So bang early in the morning, he gets up. Skipping his cocoa pops, Zacchaeus is out there on the streets waiting to meet with Jesus. However, he's not the only dude on a manic panic search that morning, wanting to meet with Jesus. It seems like the entire population of the entire town is out on the street that morning, mums and dads and brothers and sisters and granddads and grandmas and the rest of them, all there early to meet with Jesus, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, two, three, four deep, trying to meet with the man they call Messiah, trying to meet with the man they call Christ, trying to meet with the man they call Jesus. Now, um, so far today, I've, um, I've told you lots about Zacchaeus, yeah? You still with me? <laughs> told you lots about Zacchaeus, yeah? But I've neglected to tell you a couple of things. A couple of things that are very important. The, ver the first thing is that something you should know concerns Zacchaeus' build, his size, his stature. Zacchaeus ain't tall. In fact, he's vertically challenged. In fact, he's positively short. And there is absolutely no way in the whole wide world that he's going to be able to see over the heads of the people ahead of him in the crowds. However, the second thing concerns Zacchaeus' intelligence. He's a clever chappy. He's a bright lad. He's a kind of A-star star, level nine in his GCSEs kind of pupil. He wasn't made head of tax for absolutely no reason. So, checking out a tree down the road that kind of is, is kind of lofting itself across the road, Zacchaeus legs, as, legs it as fast as his little legs will carry him, and he shins up that tree, and he's now in the A1 position to go check out this fella called Jesus. And so Jesus comes to Jericho, and so Jesus walks down Zacchaeus' street, and so Zacchaeus, he stops, and he looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus. And he speaks, yo, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm coming to stay at your house today. Now, this Jesus had never, ever heard of Zacchaeus before. This Zacchaeus had never made his name known. So how in the blazes did Jesus know who he was? How in the blazes did Jesus know that he was up that tree? However, the crowd around Jesus, those who'd lined the streets, those who'd been two and three and four deep, they weren't so chuffed. In fact, they were flaming mad. They hated Zacchaeus. And now their hero, Jesus, the one who they called Son of God, the one who was supposed to zap the Romans and get them out of Israel, the one who was supposed to be Messiah and Christ, well, he was going to go and chill at Zacchaeus' house. However, there was one man who was flipping chuffed. There was one man who was not flaming mad. There was one man who'd found the answer to his very deepest needs. The answer that he'd been manically and panically searching for. 
There was one man who'd met with Jesus, and that one encounter had gone and transformed his life forever. This Jesus, this Son of God, had called him by name and had changed his life forever. Down from the tree he came a changed man. Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amounts. No longer obsessed with money. No longer obsessed with possessions. Now obsessed with Jesus. Zacchaeus was suddenly one heck of a transformed kind of fellow. And so Jesus turns to him and says these words. Today, salvation has come to your house. Alrighty, so we have the story of Zacchaeus. Nice story? Mm-hmm. But actually, what in the blazes has this story that comes from the Bible, the Holy Word of God, what has this story actually got to say to you and me here in Pointing today? Well, guys, I kind of have this sense that there are a whole bunch of people here today who are actually also on some kind of manic and panic kind of search in life, just like the little fella in the story. A whole bunch of people who are searching for some kind of meaning to this thing called life and yet still failing to go find the answer. A whole bunch of people who've invested in a whole bunch of stuff. You've invested in your career. You've invested in your possessions. You've invested in your home. You've invested in your cars. You've invested in your clothes. You've invested in drugs and sex and therapies and alternative lifestyles. But somehow, despite investing in all that, you somehow come up short. You somehow come up empty. You've somehow come up lonely. You somehow come out miserable. Do you, know, do you know what I'm banging on about? Yeah? A whole bunch of people doing a Zacchaeus and actually missing out on life. Guys, if that is you I'm talking to you this morning, can I suggest it's time that you actually stop investing in stuff and you start investing in Jesus? It's time to stop investing in stuff and start investing in Jesus. It's time to stop investing in stuff, start investing in Jesus. The Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never, ever be thirsty. The Jesus who says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Jesus who says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The Jesus who says, I am the resurrection and the life. He said it years before the stone roses said it. I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die The kind of Jesus who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to Father except through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to God except through me. Guys, this is the Jesus who is offering you the greatest gift in the history of the whole wide world. This is the Jesus who today in Pointon Baptist Church is offering you the greatest gift in the whole wide world. The gift of eternal life. This is the Jesus who is offering you the greatest gift in the history of the whole wide world, the gift of peace with God. This is the Jesus who is offering you today in Pointon Baptist Church the greatest gift in the history of the whole wide world, the gift of salvation and the gift of a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. El Shaddai, the God of heaven and earth, the God who just likes as his hobby to fling sun and stars and moon into place. The gift of life. Guys, there is no other way to get this gift other than Jesus. There is no other way to get to heaven other than through Jesus. There is no other way to get to peace with God other than through this Jesus. Through believing in this Jesus. Through saying yes to him. The little fella from Jericho. He suddenly got that. And suddenly nothing else mattered. Money no longer mattered. So he gave it away. Possessions no longer mattered, so he gave them away. Zacchaeus said yes to Jesus. Can I suggest that probably it's about time that you did the same? 
So it's, um, it's 1986, and England are playing the West Indies at cricket in the Caribbean. And the fastest English bowler of his generation is a dude by the name of Greg Thomas. And Greg Thomas is bowling fast and lean and mean. But he's bowling to the greatest batsman who has ever walked the earth, a man by the name of Isaac Vivian Alexander Richards. To you and me, Viv Richards. There has been no one better. So Greg Thomas is at the end of his mark. He's got his ball. He's rubbing it, making it shine, making it swing. He runs in. He bowls. He gets to his delivery crease. He smashes the ball down. It's fast. It's short. It's going straight at Vivian Richards' head. Right at the very last minute, Richards ducks out of the way. Greg Thomas storms up to Viv Richards and says, it's round, it's hard, it's red, and it missed you by about an inch. Grabs the ball, walks to the end of his mark, rubs his ball again, comes in faster than before, reaches to his delivery stride, leaps higher, bowls shorter, bowls faster, is going straight at Vivian Richards' head. At the very last minute, Richards stands up and smacks the ball in the middle of his bat. And that ball flies over the infield of fielders. And it flies over the square leg umpire. And it goes and flies over the heads of the fielders on the boundary. And that ball flies over the boundary, over the crowd. In fact, that ball flies over the stadium and lands in a river beyond the ground. Isaac Vivian Alexander Richards wanders up to Greg Thomas and says, Boy, you know what it looks like. Now go and fetch it. <laughs> Guys, you've got a choice. Today, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is offering you a chance to make peace with God. He's offering you the chance to get saved. He's offering you a route to heaven. He's offering to be the answer to your missing peace. He's saying, it's time that you said yes to me. I am the only way to get to heaven. Guys, you know what salvation looks like. You know how to get there. Now go and fetch it. Now go and fetch it. Let's pray together. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die, whoever believe, lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, there's people here today who need to step into your kingdom. Life might be all right now, or life might be rubbish now, but they still need to step into your kingdom. Because eternal life, and heaven, and God, only starts through a relationship with you. And so I'm going to pray the name of Jesus over this congregation. Ashley's got it. Becky's got it. Jordan's got it. Scott's got it. Louise has got it. This gift of eternal life. I'm going to pray that gift over people's lives. I'm going to pray Jesus over people's lives. 
Would you open up the doors of heaven and welcome more people in today? Would you give people the courage to step through the gates and get saved? I'm going to ask this in Jesus' mighty name. our schools, our politics, the social media, try and shut out the need to find the meaning of life. And we're not going to be quiet about it. We're not going to be ashamed about saying that Jesus is the meaning of life. And the five people that are getting baptised today, this is simply their response, saying, I have found the meaning of life. And I want to tell you about it. And this is marking their moment. Marking their moment saying, I'm in. I'm in. I'm choosing Jesus. So we're going to hear some stories. We're going to hear five stories. They're going to tell us why. They're going to tell us what they found, why they found it, and why this day is so important to them. So I'm going to welcome up our first person. Do you want to take a seat? And let's give it up for the amazing Jordan. everybody. Um, I started coming to church around seven or eight months ago. Um, I've always believed in something, but having come from a pretty non-religious family, um, never did much about it. Um, I started talking more openly to a couple of friends at work, who are both Christians and both here today, um, about their churches, beliefs, and so on. And I found myself really interested. Um, One Saturday, I was out with one of my friends for lunch, and she invited me to come here to this church on Sunday. Um, I came, and I've never really not been since. Um, It's been an amazing, um, empowering, and really fulfilling time for me. And knowing and believing as I do now, I truly believe that those two friends were brought to me to guide me to where I am standing here right now. Um, I've recently completed the Alpha course um, and utterly loved it. If you're ever thinking about doing it, please do. Um, We did a Holy Spirit weekend as part of it, And that was really powerful for us all. Um, I really felt God's presence and a strong feeling about how we all are loved by him. I've learned how to pray, something that sounds as though it should be really simple, but I definitely didn't find it easy at first. Now, though, I pray to Jesus every day, several times a day. Um, I've learned to give him my life as he gave me his, and he uses it so well. Um, I truly feel that I've gained a friend in Jesus someone who I can talk to about anything. It's a friendship I never knew I was able to have. Um, I'm so full of so many answered prayers. I'm pleased to say that that spirit that I first encountered on the Alpha Weekend hasn't gone away. It's just got stronger and stronger inside of me. And friends have even commented that they've seen something different in me. I pray that that carries on, and maybe one day I will be lucky enough to be the friend to somebody that my friends were to me. I want to keep going, following Jesus with my heart, mind, and soul, and trusting in his unfailing love. I want to keep praying, rejoicing, worshipping, and putting all my hope in him. I know that above everything, there's always love, my love for him and his love to me. Okay, next one. Please give it up for Louise. Uh, Gosh, it's busy. (laughs) Uh, Hi, I'm Louise, and uh, this is going to be very short and to the point, as my um, story isn't really that exciting if if I'm absolutely perfectly honest. So today is a small but very significant piece of the jigsaw in my journey with Christ. I've been going to church most of my life and growing up as a family went to the Catholic church. Uh, In later years I started going to the Baptist church and God has always had a presence in my life. Sometimes a real strong empowering presence that evaporates my fears and allows me to feel the love that he has for me. And at other times quite a distant kind of old friend presence just there in the background patiently waiting for me to return. 
but I was and I am always his, and I know what my purpose is. So having been brought up in the Catholic faith, I was christened and confirmed and never felt the real need to be baptised. A number of years ago, uh, my son Josh, who's here today, was baptised, and I'm not sure if that was the start of a journey that I was on as to why I'm stood here today. I really don't know why, but I do know it's what he wants me to do, it's what he has asked me to do, and I think that is good enough reason to stand here today in obedience of Jesus, who is my rock and saviour. Thanks, Louise. All right, next up is the amazing Scott Whitaker. Sweaty palms. <laughs> hey up, everyone. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Scott. I've been coming to PBC for about three years now. I'm a, I'm a plasterer, um, married to the lovely Amanda over there. Two kids, Sienna and Libby. Oh, Amanda's got business cards in a bag if anyone needs any <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so two daughters and very happy. Slightly nervous as well because we've got another one on the way. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the midwife's 20 week scan, she said he was unmistakably a boy. <laughs> so he's obviously got my genes. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, growing up, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about grow, uh, how we grew up, but it was pretty crazy, to say the least. Uh, fair to say we were not a Christian household. Um, we grew up on a tough council estate. Uh, biological father was a heroin addict, um, so he was never around. Mum kept him out when I was three. Then came along my hero. Mum met the guy that I called Dad. And he started to take care of us. My dad himself, was, he was only in his early 20s at the time. And he had a tough upbringing himself. He lost his dad when he was um, young. Which I can't imagine. Um, and this affected him massively as well. <clears throat> um, so, unfortunately, he spent a lot of time in and out of jail. And we'd be back in two visiting him. And... Um, I just never forgot how hard it was, you know, saying goodbye to him at the gates. Um, but growing up as brothers, we saw a lot on our estate. Lots of violence, lots of fights, drug use, crime. Um, I've got two younger brothers. Um, we always had, we were always up to no good. Um, sadly, my middle brother Ash got mixed up with the wrong people, uh, started to get in trouble with the police experimented with drugs and um, he's a drug addict himself and he's he spent a lot of time in jail as well. Um, just in that vicious circle of release, reoffend, that sort of thing. Um, but eventually we moved off the estate, we went to a better area, settled down and it was just a pretty crazy childhood but um, I always knew I was loved. Um, so I met Amanda when I was 18. She'd been uh, brought up in a Christian household. She rebelled as a teen. But then, uh, when she got older, she wanted to come back to the Christian faith. So, her dad recommended PBC. So, she's been coming here for 11 years now. Uh, Amanda had been asking me for a while to come to church with her. But I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but after a few years, I said, if you stop asking me, I'll come. <laughs> um, not going to lie, I felt uncomfortable coming into church. For the first time, I was made welcome, but um, I just felt guilty. I'd usually been out drinking with the lads over the weekend um, and not been in long from the night before to get up for church. Um, yeah, I just felt guilty, to be honest. Uh, but this one Sunday, Emma Owen was doing a sermon, and um, it was about the prodigal son, of how the dad takes back his son, even though everything he'd done to his dad. And um, I could feel myself starting to well up. So, so I tried to man up and suck it in, but <laughs> it wasn't happening. And um, I just couldn't stop crying. So this crying continued for two hours. And um, it, wasn't a sad, it wasn't a sad emotion. It was a bit of a mixture of 
I just think everything from over the years was, was coming out. <laughs> All right, gorgeous. Um, yeah, so Manda had to take me up in the hills. I just leant over a gate and I just let, I just let it all out. I just, um, yeah, it was an emotional time for me. Um, but since becoming a Christian, uh, libs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so since then, I've done four alphas. Um, first one was for me and Mand, and then the others have been, I've just took mates and work colleagues and stuff like that. Um, but since then, so many things have happened. I'm trying to keep it as short as I can. So just a few of them was, um, so took a guy from my work called Jim, and he was um, a tough lad, um, to say the least. And uh, the, the session was on healing and how, how God um, can give you healing. So Jim was like, right, all right then. So Jim had a damaged hand from doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And he's, it made his little hand was like bent over. So he said, right, all right, well, if we're praying for healing, then I'll, I'll have some of that. So we prayed for his hand. And literally two minutes after praying for him, I looked over at him. And he was, his hand was, he was fully straightened out. And he was like, what's going on there? So, um, I mean, that was, just in a, that was just in an alpha session. But um, so since then... Sienna <laughs> um, was messing about in the living room and we had a crack from her arm. So took her to hospital and they thought she it was a suspected broken elbow. Um, we was like, we was in floods of tears ourselves and it was looking like she was going to have an operation the next day. So Amanda was like, she ran out of the room, ran into the toilet and she prayed. She just got on her knees and prayed. Um, come out of the room. And then doctor was like, right, let's have another look at this arm. So she bearing in mind she'd had morphine up her nose and all sorts. She was, she was proper emotional rep. But, um, so the doctor unraveled the arm bandage and Sienna started moving her arm about. And five, ten minutes after that, she was throwing toys about and stuff like that. So it was like instant healing for Sienna as well. Um, just a little one about our, so our house, we'd, had, we'd bought a house on our street and we, it, the sale was going nowhere. So um, we sold our house, we needed something desperately and we really wanted to live on this road where we'd bought the house already. So we goes in for our second viewing, driving down the road, and I'm like, right, just pull over, we'll just, we'll do a little prayer and we'll just say, you know, God, uh, we, we prayed, please let the sale of the house go through and, you know, we really want to live on this road. So um, we drove on, and God had different plans because we had to pull out of that house, and the, the sale was going nowhere. But so turns out another house comes up for sale on that road. Only happens to be the house we pulled up outside to pray. <laughs> Coincidentally, so we bought that house, and it was a better it was a better deal anyway. So yeah, <laughs> we're just laughing on that. Cheers, God. <laughs> um, so yeah, last one of. Them, um, a guy that worked for me called Sam, he, I was close to him and he, he took his own life about three years ago, two years ago, um, and it hit me really hard. I didn't know how to cope, to be honest, um, and I, I was asked to carry his coffin. I just I thought, I, I can't do this. Um, so I went up to the spot where he took his life, and um, I was a mess. I could barely see the road on the way up there for tears. And um, I just said a prayer for Sam while I was up there. And I just got this unbelievable sense of peace and calm. Um, and that calmness just went with me for the funeral. Um, yeah, and I, I was really struggling with it. It helped me out massively. Um, yeah, so since becoming a Christian, I'm still the same Scott. But the, the anger and the aggression that used to control me uh, has pretty much gone pretty much. Um, the way I deal with situations where usually I'd have, I've lost it, I do it differently now. Uh, I've done Bible, Bible reading plans on the, on the Bible app, which um, help me deal with anger, addiction, temptation, and on leadership as well. And I have to say that um, it's helped me out massively over the past three years. 
um, along with the stronghold busting techniques, actually, that um, I've just done in Freedom in Christ. That's helped me f- break through a, f- a few things. So I'll definitely recommend the Freedom in Christ uh, course as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm not saying I'm an angel and temptation is always going to be there, but I just feel like God is there with me. So it's not on my own strength, but it's with his strength as well. Uh, Biggest changes for me over the past three years have been empathy um, for other people. And I think God has massively opened my eyes to integrity, you know, doing the right thing, even though no one else is watching. Um, And this has helped me in my marriage, business and friendships as well. Um, So when Ruben first mentioned about baptism... I'll level with you. I was just the, the, I got dread just by the mention of that thing. Um, Yeah, I wasn't up for it, but I I don't like being at the front. Um, So I wasn't going to get baptized until I felt it was the right time. But just the thought of doing it, yeah, made me uncomfortable. Um, But then as soon as he'd mentioned it, just things started pointing towards doing it. we're in a home group and we're doing loads of reading on Acts at the minute and there's loads of baptism in Acts. Um, mine and Libby's favourite song by John Legend, Snoop Dogg comes in and we were listening to that the other day and it's like, take me to the river and baptise my soul. So, <laughs> so I got another pointer from Snoop Dogg. <laughs> uh, yeah, then I went on Reuben's baptism course and the big thing I got from it was to be obedient. The Bible says we believe, and then we get baptized. I believe, so um, next step is to get baptized. Cheers. Thanks, Scott. If if you're interested in that Bible app, there's an amazing one called YouVersion. If you type that into your... um, your applications, um, search engines. There's loads on there, but version is the brilliant one. It's got loads of different Bibles on there and loads of uh, plans. Get yourself to the App Store. Let's invite our next person up. It is Becky. Good morning. I'm Becky, and I'm nervous, so bear with. Um, it's been a long old journey, so I'm going to start from the beginning. I had um, a truly wonderful upbringing. My mum is the one who instilled in me the faith that I have now. I used to go to Sunday school when I was in when I was really little, and then when I had the chance to choose, I used to come to PBC and do energy, and I absolutely loved it. When I was about 14, 15, my parents got divorced, and we moved to the other side of Stockport, and I remember at that time being really heartbroken that I didn't have a church I could just walk to, so we tried some other ones, um, but it wasn't for me. As a teenager, I was horribly depressed, and although I've always had faith, I stepped away from it because I just couldn't understand why it was happening. At 18, I had um, a wonderful friend who committed suicide, and it got to the point that I couldn't couldn't even walk in a church. As years went on, I grew further and further away from God and being a Christian. Even though I prayed every day, somehow I'd become what I thought a Christian was, and it was me asking for things. I hid my faith from my friends and family, and I thought that believing and praying was enough. Turned to 2018 and I joined a new gym with my friend at the time. And it's a class-based gym. You work in teams and pairs and everyone there is really good friends with it, each other. So in walks Autumn Corrie. Anyone who knows her knows what she's like. She's like a big ball of sunshine and friends with everyone. Safe to say we were instant friends. It was a few months in and I'd asked what she was doing at the weekend. And she said, oh, I'm going to church. And I think back to that time and I was like, I believe in God, but I don't believe in what man says about God. I'd love to know how many times I was asked but I didn't even ask her which church it was, let alone PBC. As an adult, there was no one in my daily life who was a practicing Christian and no one um, who had faith at work. So meeting someone who embraced their Christianity and didn't hide it, who shared all those values, was like a bright light that I'd been missing. I ummed and added about it for a good while, but kept making up excuse, even though I think I knew deep down I was being called back. Cut to this summer, and for some reason, I decided I want to go to Point and Show. Haven't been in years, so me and Mum get in the car, and they say, there's no parking, you can't come this way. Um, luckily, this man was like, oh, we'll, we'll let you through, we'll let you through, you can park at the back. So we go right round to the back, and before I'd even stepped foot on the showground, someone handed me a Bible. And this was while I was debating coming back to church, and I turned to my mum and said, I wonder if I look like someone who needs God. 
And she said, I look like a good Christian girl, that's why. So not only was this Bible handed to me by a person in a place that I shouldn't really have been, it was from a Christian farming organisation, and my job is in horticulture, and my dream has always been to have a farm. So I got it, I took the hint. The first day I was greeted like an old friend, even if I didn't know the person. It was Will who was leading the service, and he was talking about Jonah. And if you don't know the story, it's about Jonah ignoring God's call to go and prophesy. Long story short, he runs away, God sends a big fish. Um, Luckily, I didn't get that far. It was exactly what I've been doing for years. And at the end of the service, he showed a video of his niece, and it was her saying, all aboard, and talked about what it meant to be a Christian and welcoming everyone on. So this is me here, firmly saying, all aboard, and I'm not going anywhere. Don't know where we're going, but can't wait to find out. So I'm telling this story in a way because I know you'd all have that person in your life who... You're hoping will come to church, a lapsed Christian or someone who's never believed, who you've asked and prayed hundreds of times, don't give up on them, God has a way, and you don't realise that just by being you, by imitating Jesus, you're leading people back to him. Thanks, Becky. Okay, our final story, we're getting three for the price of one. Ashley Cherry! Oh man, finally made it, peas and rice. <laughs> um, well, well, when I finally, when I decided to get baptised, it was a long time ago. So I've had a long time to prepare what I'm saying today. Um, and it's changed quite a lot, to be, to be fair to say. Um, I want to get my story across to you whilst keeping it PC. I've got a problem with swearing. I'm going to try and avoid that this morning. <laughs> and if I can make it through this without needing the toilet and crying, then we're, we've done well. <laughs> um, My story is probably not like any I've heard before. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I'm a girl about the world. Um, (laughs) A girl about town. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) I'm a sceptic, I'm streetwise, potty-mouthed, opinionated Manchester lass. Um, I want you to know what I'm telling you today is from my heart and an absolute accurate account of how truly amazing God is. I've grown up coming to church and, like many teenagers, decided to strike out when I was 15. Dodged a bullet as far as I was concerned. Uh, From that point on, um, life didn't stand for anything other than living for this world. Many people's experience of God comes in a time in the life when they're looking for something or they're facing trauma. Mine, however, couldn't be more opposite. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't looking for an encounter, a relationship wasn't interested in being saved, none of it. What happened to me a year ago or so was a complete Jesus intervention. You see, I love my life. And from the outside world looking in, I've got everything. The social media dream, a very comfortable life, the kind of life most young people aspire to have. For youngsters out there, if there's any in here, there's a lesson to learn from my story. Whilst to the world standards, I've had everything. In reality, it's cost me dearly. For the past 15 years, my life, my job, my friends, and everything within that has been morally bankrupt. I just love doing naughty things. (laughs) In truth, if sin was a bucket list, completed it, mate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just love a good sin. I had a particular guilty pleasure for drink and drugs. Um, One way road to Seshlihem, that led me astray many times. I became a master of manipulating people. Um, facilitating offensive things and making money for my own benefit. I created the most perfect lifestyle from it and I loved it. Um, My addiction to making money to satisfy the world's standards of success has led me to see and be involved with unspeakable situations and people. When I look back now, I can honestly say to you today, I'm not only lucky to be alive, I'm lucky to be here, I'm lucky not to be in jail. So what's changed? Well, believe me when I say this, I've wrestled towards this surrender. Like I said earlier, I loved my life. So giving up everything you love and know has been a painful journey. It's been scary. Fear keeps you in a self-made prison way longer than you ever intend on staying. It's taken Jesus working through my life, pruning away at the damage I've subjected myself and others to, taking me right back to basics, being raw and exposed. It's not comfortable and it hurts. But I can tell you, I didn't believe in miracles a year ago. Nice concept, less so reality. (laughs) But what are you looking at? You're looking at one. 
the people here today that know me can absolutely back up my testimony. It took God months to change the habits of a lifetime. He's that good. Um, I came back to PBC. I've been a member of PBC, grew up here. A lot of you know me. Like I say, I decided to strike out at 15. But on the bribe of a roast dinner, I decided I'd give it another go. <laughs> so, so here I came, rocked up. Um, Will Dent was speaking. This was a massive shock for me. Because the last time I saw Will, I dressed him up as a girl. He was about seven. <laughs> so, <laughs> was what's happening here? Um, what he said that day was clearly sent from God because it hit me, and it hit me hard. So I left here challenged. Believe me when I say it takes a lot to challenge me. So I decided to come again. And little by little, Jesus did some demolition work. He broke through my walls and brought things crashing down around me. I felt things I haven't felt in a long time. I felt gutted, ashamed, embarrassed. My perfect life started to leave a metallic, poisonous taste. But at the same time, I've never felt so loved and humbled and forgiven. Last year, after a three-day bender in London, I came to the end of myself. I found myself on the floor of my hotel, sobbing my heart out and knowing that this was it. Sorry, hold on. Uh, <laughs> I finally come to the end of myself. I'd given, I had to give everything over. There are no half measures, no half commitments. You're either all in. God requires every part of you, most especially the bits that you're hiding from yourself. That morning I heard the words, it's finished in my head, and it truly was. I called my mum and told her I was coming home, and she knew I didn't mean I was coming home. She knew like a prodigal returning, I was coming home. I've spent my life being incredibly reckless, selfish and hurting the people who mean the most to me. I'm lucky today that my husband still stands by my side because I can honestly tell you I wouldn't have. My coming home hasn't just been about my life changing. There's been an incredible amount of healing and building bridges and I am truly blessed to have the family I have. One thing I wanted to say today was that if, if you're here today and you think Christians have got it all sorted, we don't. I have massive fears. I'm scared. I still make mistakes. A part of me itches to go out and get on it. Road rage. I'm vile. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's, there's times when I, I've got to question my personality massively. Church isn't a place people come when they have it sorted. It's a hospital for broken people. A place you can boast in your weakness. I now know no matter what I face and have gone through, he has gone before me. And coming to this decision today has been the best choice I've ever made. Um, so I want to just share with you some of the things that God has done over the past year in my life. Um, but what I've told you, I, I love drugs. So I had a bit of a hole in my nose. And that's something that they say cannot be healed. I've spent the past six years using nose sprays to breathe. Not a problem, because God fixed it. I can breathe. Um, I had, as I stood up here a while ago, I've got hip pain. I've had it for a long time. And a week before I was due to have an MRI, um, and I can't even tell you how much pain I was on. I've lived on tramadol for years. We prayed in house group. And again, I'm sceptical. I come from a sceptical point of view all the time. Um, and Zach prayed for me, and the next day I woke up. I've not had any pain in my hips since. No pain at all. Um, so now I'm free from addiction that have crippled me for a long time. Pregnant with two children. More in love with my husband than I've ever been. I've got a genuine love for you people, because believe me, a year ago I couldn't stand you. <laughs> uh, I've, <laughs> uh, I've got such a hunger for Jesus, nothing else comes close in importance. He's got my whole world in his hands and I absolutely trust him. I'll never forget my before Christ life because it's by those scars I remember the metallic taste of a life without him and it's a place I never want to visit again. Um, can you pass me? Can you pull up Luke 15? Well, part of, part of me coming here and getting baptised today and, and realising my story, the parable of the lost sheep. I'm sure loads of you know it, but I'm going to read it you anyway. Yeah. 
Can I put it on? There we go. So, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that's, one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't, and haven't strayed away. Cheers, mate. So I just wanted to read you some thoughts on that. Um, God loves each one of us recklessly. He's completely unconcerned by the consequence of his own actions with regards to his own safety, comfort and well-being. His love isn't devious or sly. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. His love bankrupt heaven for you and for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder, wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back and give him that love in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. And to many practical people, that's a foolish concept. What if he loses the 99 in finding that one? Finding that one last sheep is and always will be supremely important. It's a love that's not cautious. It's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There is no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely and so preposterously that if refused, you would think it would be irrevocably broken. Yet he gives himself away time and time again. Make no mistake, our sins do pain his heart. And 70 times 7 is a lot of times to get your heart broken. And yet he opens up and allows us back every single time. His love saw me when I dismissed him, when my logic rejected him. And yet he stood there and said, I don't care what it costs me. I lay my life on the line as long as I get her heart. His love saw me when I was a broken down girl, with regret as deep as the ocean, all my innocence poured out. Bankrupt by the world. He found me and he's put me on his shoulders and he's carried me home because he's just that good. He's a father that never gives up. I was found before I was lost. I couldn't earn it and I definitely don't deserve it. But Grace knows my name and he knows every single one of yours too. listening to this week's talk join us next week for another inspirational message 